Welcome to Life at the Ballpark. On this episode, you'll hear the story of a man who had a front row seat to the convergence of traditional sports reporting and the digital revolution. It was the first time, along with my game story, instead of a photo with the story online, there was the video of Josh Beckett fielding the ground ball by Jorge Posada, tagging him out, and Joe Buck's call that the Marlins are the World Series champs. That was embedded with my game story. It was the first time that video merged with with old print or, or writing in that fashion. And I was like, just blown away. I was like, we are, we have reinvented this industry. Uh, sports will never be the same. Coverage will never be the same. Welcome to the podcast, Life at the Ballpark. Sharing stories from players, coaches, scouts, and broadcasters about their lives in baseball. From the sandlots to the big league ballparks. This podcast is coming to you from spring training at Roger Dean Chevrolet Stadium in Jupiter, Florida. Spring training home for the St. Louis Cardinals and the Miami Marlins. I'm John Frost, and today my guest is Joe Frasero of MLB.com, beat writer for the Miami Marlins. Hi, Joe. John, how you doing? Nice of you to be on my podcast today. Oh, it's a pleasure. You're a, you're a seasoned sports writer. You've seen a lot of baseball. Your job is to cover the Marlins day to day. Tell me a little bit about your background so that people have a context for understanding your perspective. Yeah, uh, yeah, John. I started with MLB.com in 2002. Long before that, I was in newspaper background. I uh, started out coming out of the University of Alabama. I I worked in a couple of small uh, town papers in, in the state of Alabama. Then um, about the mid-1980s, I got a job at the Ocala Star Banner here in, in, in Florida, and that kind of got me to Tampa. I worked uh, more than 10 years at the Tampa Tribune and um, and eventually made my way onto the, the Internet Superhighway back when it was, you know, no one kind of believed in it and hooked on, fortunately, at MLB.com in 2002 when people wondered, what was going on in, with, the, with the internet? Could the internet make money? Could it make it? And when it was presented to me the opportunity to go in and cover the Marlins at, for MLB.com back in those days, I was like thinking, who better to cover you than you? When you think about that concept, MLB kind of had that, that vision. And within a year or two, um, the internet or MLB.com went off of dial-up, the older listeners will know those days, and onto the high speed. And MLB.com was as ready for that as anyone, and it launched this into a multi-billion dollar company, and the rest is history. And um, a quick background there, 2003, my second year on the beat, they, the Marlins, of course, win the World Series, so kind of unexpectedly came out of nowhere, but... When I remember game six, when Josh Beckett closed out the Yankees, the next, you know, when my story, my game story posted, it was the first time along with my game story, instead of a photo with the story online, there was the video of Josh Beckett fielding the ground ball by Jorge Posada, tagging him out, and Joe Buck's call that the Marlins are the World Series champs. That was embedded with my game story. It was the first time that video merged with with old print or or writing in that fashion, and I was like just blown away. I was like, we are we have reinvented this industry. Uh, sports will never be the same. Coverage will never be the same, and the internet will never be the same. Within a few years, 
uh, MLB.com started streaming major league games and really kind of launched the entire streaming industry, not just for baseball, but for Viacom got on board within a year and, and CBS. And then next thing you know, streaming is a part of the culture now. So you, you probably felt like as an old newspaper guy, here you are on the ground floor of something that's really terrific. And you're one of the ones who is setting the tone. Yeah, it, it's a you know, just so fortunate to be right place, right time. Um, and yeah, I mean, I literally thought because the Harry Potter movies were kind of big then. And remember the newspapers in Harry Potter when they'd have the moving images? That's the first thing I thought is MLB.com just did what with the Harry Potter, uh, the newspapers with the moving images instead of a still photo. And, and it's been exciting. And, and obviously, it's a, I think it's kind of kept me young because you're not allowed to get stagnant or grow old in a fast pace, you know, with the industry getting as competitive and, you know, the challenge to get, you know, and retain your, your followers, your readers, your, and, and, and just to kind of evolve. And I find that kind of challenging and, and rewarding as well. Well, and, and from the standpoint of your craft, it's not like the old days where you had a 10 p.m. deadline for a story, right? You're writing all the time. I see you on Twitter. I see you on MLB.com. You're generating content all the time. Yeah, and we got a night game tonight, and and when I get done with this, I'll do a pregame story, and then the game stories during the game, and, and then stuff post. So a lot of it is, yeah, like you say, it's... You know, I remember the days when I was at the Tampa Tribune now, the late great Tampa Tribune, because that unfortunately that paper doesn't exist anymore. And I covered the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I remember I let's say I had a major story on Vinny Testaverde, who was obviously the quarterback of the Buccaneers back in the day. I literally could in the offseason write that story at, in downtown Tampa, drive home and think I listen to talk radio on the way home and say, No one's talking about this right now, but tomorrow I know everyone's gonna be talking about what I've you know, is going to be hitting the newsstands. Because they're and, looking and, right at your yeah, article. Yeah, five thirty, six, right. seven in the morning, where people sure. will get their paper. Sure. So nowadays, if you have if you have news, you you can't control yourself and contain yourself, and that that news gets out there, and it's instant. You know, like you say, the social media platforms, and and then just the the way the the website does to try to be as fast as possible with content. So you covered the Marlins literally every day since two thousand and two. Correct. Right. So someone who does that for a living has got to have a passion for baseball. Yeah, this sport, John, as you know, I mean, you, you do when, the, when spring training ends, you're, you're the voice here in spring training, or excuse me, in the Florida State League for the minor league for, you know. Sure. So, so, you know, you're here. You're not here because you don't love it or whatever. It's not part of it. <laughs> yes, I mean, I'm sure they'll compensate. But, uh, uh, you know, obviously that makes it even more rewarding. But, um, yeah, it, this sport is it has to kind of be in you and grow in you and i and i i wasn't even sure how i would do with it because i covered the nfl for 10 years before i did this i covered like eight eight or nine super bowls so you know you don't know how you you can make the transition over from one sport because that that there's a different pace for football obviously you know that's an everyday sport the nfl obviously is a 12 month just like baseball but literally you're at 16 games plus four preseason then I had to tamp at the time would have me doing a couple of playoffs, maybe the Super Bowl. So, you know, you were doing what at 22, 23 games mo at the max baseball, you do 23 games in a month, you know, and, and sometimes, uh, you know, more, you know, so um, that's what I do like about baseball is that there's a different story every day. You know, the storyline, you know, you come in literally every day, you don't know 
you know, you, yeah, you'll have an idea, but, you know, you could see something tonight. You could see in spring training, you know, as the Marlins and, and all the teams are doing, as they're putting their rosters together, their rotation, who's fitting where, and you're kind of managing, general managing along as, as you go. And then you, you monitor and rewarding part of, of being there. And, the, and baseball's a little bit different than others because, you know, in basketball, you know LeBron James pretty good, right? You know, you know that, you know, Dwayne Wade's pretty good. You don't – but baseball, you may see Trevor Richards have one pitch and be a good story of coming out of the independent league with a plus changeup and an underwhelming fastball. And then you see him develop a, a curveball from last year to this year and to go with that plus changeup and, and better command on his fastball, and he's making you know like no hitting the the Cardinals for six innings, and you're watching and you're like wow if if this can translate and develop you you're literally watching a player who may become a very successful big leaguer who just a couple of years ago was independent ball and you know working in a brewery in Milwaukee you know so it's it's that's the beauty of baseball you don't know where the players are going to come from or or how they're going to get there and their resolve and and the all the times they could have you know said you know what maybe this isn't for me other than you know the Mike Trouts the great talent the John Carlos stands the the players that completely stand out on talent they're easy to spot anyone could spot them but, you know, it, it's those type of players. And that's, that's part of the appeal and beauty, I think, why so many people love this sport. We'll be back to life at the ballpark right after this. You're listening to this podcast because you have an interest in baseball. If you own a business, what do you think people who call you have an interest in? Yeah, your business. So you need a message on hold. Now, tell your callers about your products and services, locations and hours, special offers and more with a message on hold now. We've been providing telephone on hold messages since 1992, and we can do one for you. Get your custom message on hold now at messageonholdnow.com. messageonholdnow.com. Talking with Joe Frasero of MLB.com, beat writer for the Marlins. Tell me how Joe Frasero fell in love with baseball. Oh, I grew up in New York, and and back then, I my neighborhood was we had a bunch of kids that were all huge baseball, you know, not just baseball, but sports fans. We did whatever was the the time of year. We'd play basketball. We even would, you know, when the 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 pond would freeze, we'd play hockey um, on on ice, and then we'd play basketball, and then in baseball in the summer, you know, football in in the fall. I played soccer in high school. But baseball always kind of was was kind of right there. I was a big Mets fan growing up, and and I remember, I, like I said, I graduated from the University of Alabama, and that summer after I graduated, I, w- I was home and I went to a Met game. And I lived about, I lived in Rockland County, just outside of New York City, so it wasn't completely easy to get into the city or go to Queens. But I was at Chase Stadium. I was sitting in the stands. I kind of looked up in the press box, and I was like. You know, I kind of thought, you know, someday I'd love to be up there. You know, I want to, you know, cover a game. You don't know where or when. I did. There were, there were no, there's no internet back then. You know, and and then lo and behold, I was covering the Marlins Mets in literally the last game ever played at Chase Stadium. So I was at the final game in the stadium that I grew up as kind of my my stadium. And and it's funny, I I wasn't born when when the Dodgers left Brooklyn, but 
for some reason, as being someone who studied the game and, and the history of it, Ebbets Field always had so much appeal to me, even though I was at even the old, old Yankee Stadium. Um, it's like, man, if I could have seen that ballpark. And I have photos of Ebbets Field. And uh, my parents were from Brooklyn, even though my dad was a Yankee fan, although he lived in Brooklyn. But he said and he had been to Ebbets Field many times. But, you know, there are certain things, that, you know, places, you know, Wrigley. It's just an honor. You could cover a game in Wrigley and it, with my job in Fenway Park and then all over, all over the, the country. And, you know, I was fortunate enough to when the Expos were in Montreal, seeing games there and covering games in Puerto Rico. And the Marlins, uh, after the Marlins won the World Series, they played, you know, their spring training here at the time of Roger Dean. Uh, they had a couple of days where the Marlins played the Astros in, in um in Mexico City, Mexico, and we we flew into there and, and covered a couple of games there, and um, so yeah, the the sport kind of grows on you fast, and you see just the enthusiasm of the guys fighting for jobs, and and then the players and seeing those, you know, overcome to to succeed. There's no sport like baseball. I remember in 2002, my first year on the beat, uh, Marlon Sands remember Braden Looper. He was a closer at the time, and. And I had covered football, like I said, seven to ten years covering the NFL. And, you know, it's an adrenaline sport in football. You talk to a football player after a game and they're still revved up. And, and you know, all that goes in for a week to just let it all in the line in the game. And there's you know, a lot of respect for, for doing all that. But there is an intensity. Baseball, you need to have that intensity mixed with calm. And like I said, back with Looper, one day I go, you know, Looper gets in save situation in ninth inning. Looper gets the save. Post game, you go to his locker. He talks about it. Next day, as lo and behold, Looper's out there again. He blows the save. You go in the clubhouse. He's there at his locker talking. The third day, I go up to him and I, before the game, I said, Braden, I say, you know, I'm kind of new to this sport. But I'm, I'm kind of impressed that your demeanor was exactly the same after you got the save as well as after you blew the save. And he said, if I'm a different guy to you or my teammates or just how I come in every day, if I'm high or too high when I win and too low when I lose, I will not make it in the sport. You know, as long as I've done my preparation and did everything within my power, if it, it may work one night, it may not work the next night. But I was going to be the consistent person, you know, day in, day out. And that really stru stuck with me that this is what makes baseball a little bit different. You know, there wasn't any excuse making. There wasn't any poor me. It was just, hey, I got the job done. I didn't get the job done. And I, I find that there are a lot of like life lessons kind of built in. I, I kind of like that aspect of baseball as well. Are there moments that you've covered on the baseball field that you consider career highlights? Um, oh, uh, many. Yeah. I mean, uh, obviously the 03 team winning it all and being at Yankee Stadium for that moment. It was, you know, that that really showed me what that the beauty of that for me, John, was it kind of gave me a perspective of this is what it takes to be a champion. Anyone could play the game. Many make it to the big leagues. Many won't even get close to that that chance to be in the playoffs and to win it all. And then just to know all the sacrifices the players made, I, I couldn't be bluffed anymore. Once you see that, if you never covered or experienced it, all you do is take in the word of people. And you could through the years, I had to hear players say, oh, I'm going to do this, this, this. In the back of my mind, I'm thinking, it's not going to work. But, you know, you, they'll find out, you know. So, obviously, that's one of them. I covered the Caribbean series. I thought that was fascinating in 2007 in, in Puerto Rico. And game one, it was night games, two night games. It would be game one and game two. 
Game one was Dominican Republic against Venezuela. So it's an intense rivalry game. Went 18 innings. Then game two followed. I think we got back to the hotel about five in the morning <laughs> because, because game two was starting at about one in the morning. So, you know, then getting up and going the next day, I'm like, I really wasn't bargaining for this. But, you know, that's the thing with baseball. You just do not know. You know, once it starts, you don't know when it's going to end. So, uh, but yeah, I'm sure I'm missing a lot of highlights along the way. But yeah, I've, I've done the 17, 18 seasons now with MLB.com and 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 every year it's it's more exciting than the, the one before. And even with a team like the Marlins who aren't expected to be very good, you know, this is part of the building process. And you'll see which players are going to be with this when it does turn around, whether I'm still covering them or not. You know, um, that this is where the seeds are planted. You know, that's how I kind of look at it. The first the first game of a season the first spring training game is kind of the beginning of the of the chapter of the story and and think about it john what as a sports writer and a beat reporter i'm chronicling history as well as reporting the event because this provides a record of what's going on and you know as i'll get a little critical in in spring training even because you know, my company, we chart everything, you know, the game day that that we put together and people could follow, you know, on their apps or on their computers and see if a guy is in the game, out of the game. When the information being provided is wrong, it, it kind of upsets you because, you know, some people will say, oh, it's just a spring training game or whatever. But no, we're we're chronicling it. And this is Major League Baseball. There's a standard. You know, you can't just yes, we understand you may have to go in the backfield and and pull a pitcher out. But you can't tell the press box number 98 is in the game. You have to have a name because that name is going to be recorded and it's going to be part of spring training stats. You know, so and I, you know, when you think about how this sport's been chronicled through the years, the Elias Sports Bureau giving, keeping all those records and how we know what players did before 1900 or even 1900, which is the start of modern day baseball. It's important. And I, I don't take that for granted or I don't take it lightly. And it is a high standard. And I wonder, to wrap up here, I wonder in this spring training when you're covering the Marlins and so much has happened in the offseason for the Marlins to get to where they are, you're, you're, you're covering stories and you're, you're uncovering stories that no one really knows about these guys. No one, they're prospects, they're rated high, and then you look up and they've won 11 in a row. In yeah. spring training. Yeah, in spring training, yeah. The team that many don't think will win 11 in, by the All-Star break wins 11 in a row. It got snapped uh, yesterday. But, yeah, and look who they're playing, John. They're playing the Cardinals. They're playing the Astros. They're playing the Mets. They're playing the Nationals. They're, they're playing the Braves. They're not playing, they're not playing the bottom feeders. They're playing World Series caliber teams. And does it mean anything? No, but you know the Cardinals aren't trying to lose. You know the Cardinals very well. Quick story back, my first game in 2003 covering the Marlins Cardinals here at Roger Dean. It was first year the Marlins at Roger Dean. I remember the first inning. Marlins guys are just kind of everyone's trying to get their timing down. Cardinals come up. There's like uh, a walk, a stolen base, a hit and run. I'm like, boy, they didn't waste no time. Like Larusa had them. He had them trying to win like game one of spring training. Everyone else is just wanting to see two pitches. And, you know, they're, they're hit, situational hitting. 
And even this year, I think the first pitch of spring training, I think Dexter Fowler jumped the first pitch fastball. He flew out to left field. I'm like, who is swinging the first pitch of spring training? They were, everyone, you know, like half of the Marlin players the first three weeks are just looking at pitches before they swing the bat because no one has timing yet. But they're like, they're ready to go. They're trying to win the win the Central right here in day one in spring training. But it, it makes it fun. You know, the, I do like the competitiveness of and I And I always liked that when they played LaRusse's team that, hey, I don't care if it's spring training. We're still trying to win absolutely well joe frasero thank you for spending time with me on life at the ballpark i'm a i'm a fan of your writing i follow you every day and i appreciate you being on on my podcast oh it's my pleasure and you do a wonderful job and it's just an honor to be here